Well, as you can see this morning, we are continuing in the series we started last week called It's Complicated, where we're looking at complicated relationships of all different types. And uh, many people have already come up to me this morning and said, Jonathan, is Emily going to be up there with you this morning like she was last week? And I had to break the news, no, but if you beg her, she'll be up here in future weeks, okay? Uh, didn't she do a great job last week? Um, uh, I love it when she's able to come up here and we're able to do this together and she's able to share some of her expertise. Um, so no, she's not going to be up here this morning, but um, I'm excited to continue in the series as we're looking at how we can pursue peace in the midst of complicated relationships because this is what God calls us to do. And last week we looked at a key verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, where Paul says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And as we started the series, we, we talked about some, some steps we can take on the pathway of peace. And so one of them we looked at was praying. Praying for the people we're in complicated relationships with. Praying for that person who gets on our nerves. Praying for that person I like to say is hard to love sometimes, right? Praying for them, praying for the relationship, praying for ourselves as well. So we talked about praying, and then we talked about pursuing empathy or trying to, to put ourselves in the other person's perspective, to maybe see things from their side of a conflict in hopes that that might lead us to have a little more compassion. And this morning, we're going to talk about another step on this pathway of peace, and that step is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And this step is, is a little more complicated. It's a little more difficult than the two we talked about last week. And, and the reason why this step is so important because, is because if you think about a complicated relationship in your life, last week we asked you to do it. I'll ask you to do it right now. Think about one complicated relationship in your life. My guess is when you think about that relationship, there's probably unforgiveness lurking around somewhere in the midst of it. Could it be a friend who, who said they would always be there for you, and then when you needed them the most, they weren't there. Or maybe a family member who, who was in a bind, and they said, hey, I really need, I really need to borrow some money from you. You were generous, you loaned the money with the understanding they'd pay you back and they've never paid you back. In every purchase they make, the resentment grows a little bit inside. Or maybe it was a conflict with your spouse. They lied, they broke vows they made to you and, and, and you just can't bring yourself to forgive and there's anger there, there's deep hurt there, there's betrayal there. Maybe it's a, a student at school or a boss or a coworker. When we think about pursuing peace in relationships, praying for other people, that, that's not too difficult. Pursuing empathy, that's, that's a little harder for us sometimes to, to put ourselves in another person's shoes and try to think about things from, from their side. But, but I would say that forgiveness is a lot harder step because really in our culture from our earliest days, we are taught that if somebody wrongs you, what do you need to do? Get them back. Seek revenge. Seek retaliation. 
they, they do something to you, you do something back to them. And so this, this cycle of revenge begins to go in our lives. And, and a lot of times we think about revenge, we think about like king somebody's car. Anybody in here ever done that? We're just testing. I was just testing you there, okay? See if anybody raised their hand. You know, we think about keying somebody's car, slashing their tires, you know, just really like the country songs talk about. But, but you know, a lot of times that's not what revenge looks like. A lot of times for us in relationships, when there's unforgiveness, revenge instead usually looks like just kind of turning our backs on somebody and growing cold in the relationship and saying, you know, what, I'm not going to have anything to do with them anymore. Building resentment, anger in our hearts, nursing these grudges inside of us, celebrating when bad things happen to them. All this stuff just kind of begins to grow inside of us. And so what happens is when unforgiveness is is living in our hearts in the midst of our relationships, what happens to us is kind of like what happened to this town called Centralia, Pennsylvania. And Centralia was a mining town for, for many, many years. Had a few thousand people who lived there. That's mostly how people made their livings. And in 1967, uh, they, they started a, a fire. They were burning some, some trash, some mining stuff to get rid of it. And the fire actually ended up being swept into the mines. Now, over 50 years later, the fire continues to burn. The fire is now eight miles wide, 300 feet below ground. And they tried to kind of stop it early on, but they didn't do enough. And so over time, as it's grown, the estimate now is that to put out the fire, it would take billions of dollars. So instead of putting it out, they just let it burn. And now, instead of thousands of people living in this town, there's about seven people who live here. Because this fire that has raged underground has just led everybody to leave. And I, I think this is a good image of what happens when, when anger, resentment, when the unforgiveness just lives inside of us. It continues to grow. It continues to build. It continues to eat us from the inside out. And it also eventually kind of leaks out and it begins to push other people away in the midst of our relationships. And so scripture is clear when it comes to, to forgiveness that we're called to forgive other people. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 writes this. Paul, somebody who knew about forgiveness, he says this, chapter 3, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Pretty, pretty clear. In his letter to the church in Rome, after he says, live at peace with everyone, he says this, don't take revenge. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written... It's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So here Paul's reminding us that we serve a just God, a holy God who takes sin very seriously. And Paul's saying, you know what? You, you, can, you can trust God with these things. You can leave it in his hands because at the right time and the right way, he will enact judgment. So he's saying, look, release it from your hands into God's hands. And then he says this, don't take revenge. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. He's telling us to break this cycle of revenge. 
break the cycle. Break the cycle by not giving people what they deserve, but instead break the cycle by giving people what they don't deserve. He says, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. I think he'd also say, you know, if they need forgiveness, forgive them. Give them what they don't deserve. And it's easy for me to come up here and to, and to just preach, forgive. Forgive the person who did terrible things to you. Forgive the person who lied to you. Forgive the person who broke your heart. Forgive the person who abandoned you. But you've heard messages like that before, and you've probably tried to forgive people before. And my guess is that along the way, you discovered a truth that, that I've discovered in life too, and that is that forgiveness oftentimes sounds easy and it sounds simple, but forgiveness is actually complicated. Forgiveness can be complicated. It can be complicated because of all the scripts that we've heard in our lives, because of all the, the, the cultural wisdom out there about forgiveness. And I would say that that even in the church, a lot of us were taught things about forgiveness that, that aren't necessarily true along the way, or we saw a little Facebook post that inspired us that was actually inaccurate. And so I want, I want to share with you five things forgiveness isn't. Because I think sometimes these things complicate our understanding and our ability to forgive. And so the first one I would say is this, forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not condoning sin and the sin done against you in a relationship. Sometimes people think that. You know what? If I, if I forgive somebody, it's like saying what they did isn't a big deal. But actually, the idea of forgiving someone else, it's implying that what they did was a big deal. It was sin. Therefore, it's actually in need of forgiveness. If what they did wasn't wrong, you wouldn't need to forgive them. So forgiveness is not, is not condoning the wrongdoing against you. And I would say this, forgiveness is also not ceasing to feel pain. Maybe you saw a little like inspirational quote on Instagram, you know, forgive and forget and instantly everything will be better and you'll, you'll feel no more pain in your life and everything will be good. Forgiveness, I think, is a step on that journey of healing. It's essential for that healing. But a lot of times the, the pain maybe abuse, the difficult things, the trauma we've experienced in life. Forgiveness is an important aspect of healing, but it doesn't mean that those things are immediately gonna go away and you're gonna immediately feel better if you forgive someone. Sometimes healing takes time and takes therapy. It takes deeper inner work and forgiveness is part of that work, but it, if you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you're gonna instantly cease feeling pain. Another thing forgiveness isn't is forgiveness is not contingent on the other person. This is very common. You might have heard this one. Well, I'm not going to forgive them because they haven't said they're sorry. I'm not going to forgive them because they haven't repented of their wrongdoing. How many of you have heard that? How many of you have believed that and you're, you're still waiting on the person, right? You're still waiting on them to come and apologize. And you know what? That might not ever come. But the truth about forgiveness is forgiveness is something we can do inside of our own hearts, whether the person repents or not, whether the person apologizes or not, whether the person is living or not. Because sometimes the people who sin against us aren't around anymore. And they'll never be able to apologize. Forgiveness is also something you can do without even telling the other person 
that you've done it. Forgiveness is not contingent on the other person. And that's because forgiveness is also not reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are, are, are very closely tied together, but they are two different things. And so let me, let me talk for a moment about reconciliation. Reconciliation is when two people have a relationship. Someone does something wrong and there's a, a break in that relationship. There's a separation. Reconciliation is the act of those two people coming back together in a healthy relationship. And so reconciliation requires the person who, who did the wrongdoing to apologize, to, to repent, and to say they're sorry. And it requires the person who is wronged against to accept that apology and to come back together. And Jesus has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. That, that's something we are called to do. But, but as we talked about last week, Paul says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the truth is, is that not everyone wants to be reconciled. Not everyone is going to apologize. Not everyone is, is going to say, you know what, I'm sorry, what I did is wrong. And so you might not have reconciliation in a relationship, but you can still forgive the other person in your heart. And when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that the relationship is ever going to look the same. It doesn't mean that you need to trust them immediately or you need to invite them into your home. You might need to have boundaries if there's forgiveness and reconciliation taking place. So it doesn't mean things are going to look the same. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. And then I, I would say the final one is this. Forgiveness is also not necessarily instant. It can be instant. And maybe you have a story where you came down to an altar and you prayed and, 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 and the anger, the bitterness, the resentment was gone. And in that moment, you had forgiveness forever for someone. But my guess is a lot of you, you've, you've come to services, maybe you responded and you came and you prayed and you said, God, I want to forgive this person and you left it at the altar and then you woke up the next morning and you were anger and you were bitter and you were resentful and you felt like a failure because you weren't able to forgive them in an instant. And so while forgiveness sometimes can be instant, a lot of times it's more of a process, it's more of a journey. It's saying, God, I've woken up again and I still have anger and unforgiveness in my heart. Would you help me today? Would you help me tomorrow? And over time, we realize that we have deeply forgiven someone. So it's not necessarily instant. And I love what, what N.T. Wright, a bishop in the church, said about forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is richer and higher and harder and more shocking than we usually think. Because this is true about forgiveness, it is difficult. It is complicated. If you're like me, when you're, when you're reading Scripture, when you're reading Paul talking about forgiveness, I'm like, Paul, give me the seven steps. Give me the sermon outline with fill in the blanks. Give me the seven steps to forgiveness. I'm like, Jesus, give me the three keys to kingdom forgiveness. Right? We, want, we, want, we want them to make it very clear, very plain. We want them to make it easy and to remove the mess and, and to just make it logical for us. We want easy steps to forgiveness, and that's what I want. But here's the thing. Jesus, in his ministry, he didn't, he didn't give concrete steps for forgiveness. Instead, he gave something else. When his disciples came to him, because they were living in a world that was filled with complicated situations and people sinning against them, they struggled with forgiveness. 
when they came to Jesus and they're like, hey, we want to know about forgiveness. Jesus didn't give them a set of steps. Instead, Jesus gave them a story. Jesus gave them a story. And this story comes after, after Peter comes up to Jesus one day and he's, he's having some challenges with forgiveness and he says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? It's a good question, isn't it? Up to seven times? If they sin and they do the same thing seven times, am I supposed to forgive them, Jesus? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. And so if someone wrongs you, keep a journal. Start numbering them. And once it gets to 77 or 490, you're done. You're off the hook. You don't have to do it anymore. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's using the number seven here as a, as a number that represents completion. He's saying you need to forgive over and over and over again. And it's a nice idea, and it's like, okay, give us the steps. But instead, he gives a story. He tells a parable. Here's what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold, okay? Here Jesus is saying like somebody who owed him a gazillion dollars. And since the man was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be patient with me. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Which is kind of funny because this guy, he could never repay back 10,000 bags of gold. He could never repay that in a lifetime if he worked 24-7, but he's begging. He's saying, I'll pay it back. And the servant's master took pity on him. He took pity on him and he canceled his debt and let him go. And so that servant who'd been forgiven, he goes out and when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, okay? 10,000 bags of gold, a hundred silver coins. A gazillion dollars, about three months worth of wages. He grabbed the man and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But the servant who'd been forgiven much, he, he refused. Instead, he went, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And Jesus says this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. What's Jesus trying to teach us here? He's pointing us 
first, I think, to some bad news. And that bad news is that we are like the first servant. God is like the master. and We owe him a debt. A debt of honor, a debt of gratitude, a debt of obedience. We owe him a debt that, that we could never hope to repay in our lifetime. No matter how much we say, God, I, I, can, I, can, I can do good. I can do good to outweigh my bad. I can, I can make up for all of this. We owe a debt that we could never hope to repay. That's the bad news. But the good news is, is that the master is like, our heavenly father is like the master in this story. And he has mercy on us and he forgives us of our debt freely. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because of his great love for us, our heavenly father has had mercy on us. And he forgives us of our sins. He forgives us of our sins freely. That's the first glorious truth that Jesus is pointing to. That we have a God full of grace and mercy and forgiveness for us. But he's also pointing us to the fact that in our lives, there will be many people who sin against us. Who do terrible things, who wrong us, who, who owe us in many different ways. And what he's trying to teach us here is that just as we experienced great mercy and forgiveness from our Heavenly Father, we should extend that mercy to others who wrong us and owe us as well. He's trying to teach us that we should be people who forgive as we've been forgiven. And I think this is gets to, to one of the reasons why forgiveness is oftentimes hard for us. And I think it's because we have the wrong starting place. Jesus is pointing us to the right starting place here, but a lot of times we have the wrong starting place because when it comes to us forgiving other people in our complicated relationships, spouses, bosses, friends, family members, a lot of times we start with their sin, what they've done wrong, whether they've earned or deserve our forgiveness, and we start with our capability to forgive. And we say, you know what, do all of those things add up? But Jesus is saying, don't start there. Don't start with their sin. Instead, when you're trying to forgive someone else, start with your own sin. Think about your own sin, the vastness of your sin, and think about the vastness of God's grace. And as God's grace flows to you, it, it should transform you, and it should then flow through you. And so Jesus is saying, look, God's forgiveness is something that flows to us. Then it's something that should flow through us to other people. But if we haven't received that forgiveness from God, then, then you're probably going to have a hard time and it's kind of hopeless trying to forgive other people. But when we think about what we've been forgiven, then we can forgive others. And this is what, what Paul says. I, I cut off the verse earlier, but in Colossians 3.13 I cut off the end of it. Paul says this, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then he adds this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Will you say it with me? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's where it begins. C.S. Lewis put it this way. To be a Christian means to forgive 
the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us, we are then able to let his grace and mercy and forgiveness flow through us and we can begin to forgive the inexcusable in other people. And so I think when we're trying to forgive others, it begins with remembering. Remembering our sin, the depth of our sin, and the depth of God's grace and his mercy for us. It begins by remembering that and meditating on that and giving thanksgiving to God for his free grace. It begins with remembering. And then I think, you know, when it comes to forgiving other people in our lives, it continues as we, as we remind God of the ways that we've been sinned against. I, I think it's okay. God knows what happened to you. He knows what's on your heart. But I think it's important to speak to him for intimacy in our relationship. So I would encourage you, remind God what people have done to you. Tell God about the pain you've experienced, about the betrayal. Tell him what you're feeling. Write it down in a, in a journal and say, God, what people did to me is unfair. It's wrong. I didn't deserve it. Remind God of what people have done wrong to you. And then release it. Say, God, would you help me release these things into your hands? Would you help me release the resentment? Release the anger. Release the grudge. Release my right to retaliation. Would you help me entrust this person and this situation to you? I know you are holy. I know you are righteous. I know you want to handle this. And so God, would you help me release this to you? And would you help me to forgive the other person in my life. We can't do this on our own. Forgiveness isn't human. Forgiveness is divine. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And so come to God and say, God, I need your help. Would you help me release these things? Release this unforgiveness into your hands. God will help you. God will meet you. God is faithful. Forgiveness was one of the, the key themes in the, the teaching and ministry of a woman named Corey Tim Boom. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She was a Dutch Christian. During World War II, she helped hide Jews and protect them in many different ways, and eventually she ended up in a concentration camp called Robinsbrook. There she suffered in many ways, but she was eventually released, and, and she went on to have a great ministry preaching about God's love and God's forgiveness and, and God's grace for all people. And so one, one time in 1947, she was in Germany sharing the message of God's forgiveness to a people who needed it and who needed to experience forgiveness from, from many others because of everything they had done and everything they had experienced. And, and in one of her memoirs, she writes this. She writes that, that that day she shared one of her favorite mental images of forgiveness with the people there. 
And she told them, when we confess our sins, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And even though I can't find a scripture for it, I believe God then places a sign out there that says, no fishing allowed. Don't you love that? We're always trying to go back and fish up those old things. There's a sign there that says, no fishing allowed. And she said after she was done with the message, it was like a lot of messages she gave on forgiveness. People just kind of stared at her, didn't provide much feedback. She didn't know if stuff was coming through. But after the service, a man made a beeline for her. And as he was walking up, she immediately recognized who he was. But he, he didn't recognize who, who she was. She recognized that he was one of the cruelest guards at Ravensbrook when she was there. He was one of the guards who did terrible and unspeakable things. And he came up to her and he said, great message. Great message. I just wanted to let you know that you mentioned Ravensbrook and I was actually a guard there at the concentration camp. And since those days, I've asked God for forgiveness for the terrible things I did, the terrible things I participated in. And I've, I've received God's forgiveness. I've been born again and I've been praying for the opportunity to say I'm sorry and to ask forgiveness from someone who was there during those same days. said in that moment her heart grew cold she began to think I can't forgive this man because she began to think about her sister who died in that concentration camp and as she's standing there thinking about this he extends his hand to her waiting for her to extend her hand and as she's thinking about all that she's been forgiven by God as she's thinking about her, her sister who died there in her memoir she writes this she writes that I silently prayed Jesus help me I can lift my hand I can do that much you supply the feeling and so woodenly mechanically I thrust out my hand into the one stretched out to me and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started and my shoulder raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. And I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even then, I realized it was not my love. I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And elsewhere, she goes on to say, can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us to forgive other people. And so this morning, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit has been touching your heart and you've been thinking about someone that 
you need to forgive in your own life. You might not have this instant kind of miracle moment like Corey Ten Boom have, but I would say start by by remembering. Remembering all the ways that God has forgiven you and shown you His grace. Remind God of the wrong that's been done to you and then say, Jesus, I need help. I need help. I need you. I can't forgive these things on my own. I can't release this on my own. I need your help in my life. Would you help me forgive? And God is faithful. And as you take a step towards forgiving someone else, he will meet you. He will give you the power to do so. And if you wake up tomorrow and there's still anger, bitterness, and resentment, He will help you again and again until forgiveness is a reality in your relationships. So would you bow your heads with me this morning for a word of prayer? Jesus, this stuff is hard. We read about you forgiving your enemies on the cross, and it sounds simple. But we need your help. We need your help for all the complicated situations in our lives. We need your help to process our emotions and and to release these things into your hands. And, and, and Jesus, we come to you this morning knowing that you want to help us. You want to meet us. And so this morning, we, we bring before you hearts of thanksgiving for all the ways that you've forgiven us. We acknowledge the reality of all the ways that we have been sinned against by others. And we pray that you would help us this morning. Help us forgive others as we've been forgiven by you through your blood and through your sacrifice on the cross. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. This morning as we sing our closing song, if if you'd like to come forward and pray, we invite you to do so. If you'd like to pray in your seats, if if you'd like to to pray with me or or with somebody else, if, if... You need help beyond yourself. We would love to pray with you and for you. So we invite you to pray. We invite you to reflect. We invite you to sing and to worship our God of amazing grace.